welcome back to Closer Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellet. If you know anything about me, you know what an advocate I am for the inclusion of women in all facets of the sports industry. From occupying roster spots, to working in front offices, to content creation, to general manager, we're celebrating the end of Women's History Month with a woman who has her name in the international soccer history books for playing and coaching. Maria Procopio was raised playing soccer on her brother's teams in the Toronto area. At the time, specific girls' soccer teams and leagues didn't have enough interest. The natural progression became, make yourself as good, if not better, than the boys. He got into soccer and then all of a sudden I wanted to play or he was doing ball hockey or hockey and I wanted to get into it. So I was like three years old and he was four when we moved here and uh, he started playing and I wanted to play and, and, and be a part of it. So I think they just like kind of gave me a jersey and just said, okay, just go kick a ball around, but you're not actually on the team. So I did that for a while with him and played with him and then um, got into girls soccer um, and had an interesting journey. It's crazy to think. I, so I'm a 90 to think about not having a full girls league and a girls division until I was maybe 10 or 11, where there was enough teams that you weren't playing the same two or three teams, that there was enough pool of players that it was competitive and that they were into soccer and it wasn't kind of at their recreational level. So I think back and that's like, you know, uh, early 2000s and you think like, wow, that's the 20 years ago, 20 years that's past and, you know, where we're at now. Procopio moved up through the ranks of Canadian youth soccer quickly, making a name for herself. When she was cut from one of the local teams for being, quote, too short for the sweeper role, she began to reassess her options for the future. That is, until an unlikely opportunity provided fuel for her fire. I took a trip to Italy, um, being an Italian background, I took my, my, my first trip to Italy um, and um, this team kind of invited me and said, hey, we need an extra player. Why don't you come and play with us in Italy um, and just kind of play around. And I actually got scouted to go back for high school to Italy. So I find my, myself getting cut um, in eighth grade from the provincial program. And then I find myself six months later playing in Italy and doing high school online. And um, there was nothing around me being me being short, me being too small to play the position I was. It was just a moment where I could be myself. And that's where I truly fell in love with the game. I loved the game before. Um, I was a multi-sport athlete. I played basketball, but that was the true moment where I said, okay, this is, this is it. This, I love the sport. This is all I want to do. And uh, um, yeah, I spent time there. I got, I got called into the Italian national program um, for the U19. I got to travel around on like a private jet um, for our team, like small flights. So for me, those were like big moments um, eating and, and like getting tours, like all paid for. That was like huge for me at such a young age to like experience that. Procopio did grade nine in Italy while playing competitive soccer and was eventually called up to the U19 Italian national team roster. It's so crazy because I, I was playing calcetto, which is kind of like futsal. Um, and I was playing for a small town. So the school program that I was doing, um, if anyone is familiar, like it was two hours away from Rome, right on the Adriatic Sea. So Pescara is like a big town. It's known as like a, a fashion capital and a fashion city. So I was like 20 minutes outside in this little town called Rosetto. Most people would never know where it is. And um, that's where the school was. So they put us up in a residence. The residence was actually really cool because it was across street from the beach, which was really, really amazing. My family um, is from that part of the province of Abruzzo. So like my mom's side. So it was nice, like being immersed in that culture and like the northern part of, of Italy. Um, and so 
we were in this residence with like all athletes and there was like professional basketball players who played there, um, soccer players. So I was just put there because the schooling for like the international schools. So like the English speaking school was not far from there. And that was the place where a lot of the athletes stayed. So there was two other Canadians. They were much older. They weren't in high school. They weren't even in college. They're like, they were older women who were Canadian playing professionally for this team. But obviously I was so young, I was 14 and they were like 22, 23 at the time. So I was just kind of playing pickup soccer, playing for like a local team. And then the local team, I was obviously too good um, and too skillful for them. And then I moved up and then eventually I was on their team and I was 14 playing with older women. Um, and it was like third division at the time. And then I moved up to my own age, second division, own age, first division. And then I was representing our province, Abruzzo. And then that's how I got picked into the national team. But it was all through like 11 v 11 or Calcetto, which is like small, like street style soccer, which I wasn't used to playing here. So it was like really rough and stuff, but oh my God, it was amazing. Living by herself in Italy as a teenager was a cultural reset. She laughs as she reminisces on certain aspects of her time in the country. From the structured mealtimes to post-game team showers, Procopio was left to figure out how to conduct herself with little guidance. So it was like little things that they would like make fun of me for, but like I wasn't part of that culture because I was so used to like the North American culture of, of, of sports. So yeah, it was, it was interesting. And that was before social media where I could look up if I moved to Italy, what is the culture like? Like you didn't know, right? So you just go into it and kind of like have to adjust right away and like showering for the first couple training sessions. I was like, no, I'm not comfortable with that. And then you have to get comfortable with it. Upon graduation, Procopio played at a junior college in order to put more emphasis on her grades. After a stellar JUCO year, Procopio transferred to Gannon University, a D2. There, she was confronted with a team and a fan base who knew her background and expected her to instantly be a leader on the team. She had a difficult time living up to those expectations, and there was no help available from a sports psychologist who could have assisted in getting through that mental journey. I didn't know what more to do because I was so used to just doing what I did at the junior college and, and that being enough. So I didn't know how to kind of push myself and apply myself. And then like, I realized, well, there's six people who play my position. I need to beat them out. And that kind of clicked a little bit into the first like fall season. And that kind of clicked to me that I need to show up and, and not be as immature as I am in the change room and not be that kind of class clown or like teen clown. Like I need to, to focus. And that was kind of a changing moment. And then I remember starting and, and all of that, but yeah, definitely a lot of pressure is definitely nerve wracking. Even like teammates of mine who are playing in the division two uh, league. Um, there were some players out of high school who went into division two and now they're seeing me for the first time in college and I'm not playing and you know they're they're going at me on on social media on Facebook at the time and stuff and yeah the pressure really really got to me and and then I had to switch it on myself with no one it was just kind of like I woke up one day and said I need to beat out these players I don't care if they're seniors or sophomores or juniors I need to go in and 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 get their get their playing time essentially. Procopio's degree in psychology aided in working through that rut and that background coupled with her soccer worldview fostered a desire to help up-and-coming girl soccer players learn life lessons through sport. A lot of those life lessons will stay with me for forever, and I think that's why sport is the best avenue for people to be in and, 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 and be a part of as their youth days is because it teaches you so many life lessons. So I think now I educate myself way more than um, the average coach because I think the psychology, especially in female players, the mindset piece is so important. 
um, especially for the generation of, of social media and um, the pressure um, players do have um, from that. So yeah, definitely bring in my own style um, and, and life lessons and obviously the education that I have. Um, I have a soccer in football, so football and, and psychology degree from the FA. Um, and uh, that was unique because I was really interested in spending time on the psychology side of soccer um, when I was going through my licensing. Procopio flew from Canada to England to get licensed to coach through the Union of European Football Associations. What England does, and I'm, I'm certified in the United States and I'm hoping Canada implements, is like they break down these like four corners of, of what you should run in a session and how you should coach. It's like technical, tactical, social, physical, and psychological. And you try to implement one or two points from those corners into a session. So I spend a lot of time in like the blue zone, which is a psycho psychological zone to say, like the who, what, where, when, how. So I was really interested in that. And then this just added to my experience. I took the first two FA levels in psychology in person, and then I finished the last one online. With these licenses, she was able to combine her psychology passion with the ability to enrich the lives of these youth players. During her time working with Toronto FC Academy, Procopio hit a gender norm roadblock that changed the way she viewed soccer coaching. I remember a moment for me as a coach to really use my psych background was I was coaching at MLS Academy and we were playing and our head coach got kicked out and I took the team. So I'm taking these MLS boys as a female and I already had this pressure of being a f the first female coach in this MLS Academy and having that pressure of being a female. Um, and getting called all kinds of things sometimes from from the coaches that I was working with never from the players the players respect me and said hey coach we want to win this game for you but I'll never forget this moment and this was something that I had to use my psych background because I wanted to leave the sport as I was called in the middle of the game a whiny female coach for advocating for my players I know it's it's crazy and I'll never forget that moment because I, I was in the middle of a game and I didn't agree with the referee's call and I wanted an explanation as to why cards yellow cards weren't being handed out on both sides i'm not saying our team was in in the right and they were definitely it was pretty much 50 50 and it should have cards should have started being given because it needed the referee needed to assert himself in the game so that way there was no fighting these are 14 year old boys at the time um or th 13 or 14 year old boys and i felt that he needed to do a job to say we need to calm this down he had just kicked out our head coach. So obviously our teams riled up, the other teams riled up. Um, and yeah, I was called a whiny female coach. So I remember going back to my car and calling basically everyone in my phone book to vent about that moment because I was like, I, I don't understand. Like, I, I don't understand what I did, what I did wrong or why I was called that. And I really thought about that moment and, and, you know, am I a whiny female? Am I, am I that coach? And it was a big moment to say, no, I'm not. And I have to rise above it and not let that comment um, affect me. And uh, now I joke around about it. But at the moment, I was like, I don't want to be called that. Do I even want to stay in the sport and do this if this is what my path and my journey is going to be like? Sometimes I find it's 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 the, the male or the coaches that have a problem with it, not the players. Every player there, like I still see some of the players, like the boys there. There wasn't, oh, hey, there was our female coach. There was, hey, there was Coach Maria. There was, she coached us then. Um, it wasn't, um, you know, it was a female coach, but definitely being in that male-dominated industry was, was tough. There are currently zero women involved in the first team Major League Soccer programs. Although these women exist, as Procopio does in the academy settings, 
Procopio felt she had to prove that she was prepared in every way possible to elicit success from her players. That included pregame mindset work. Uh, when we take teams on, like we get there early, we treat it like a professional setting. Um, you know, they walk the field themselves or with a friend and just kind of like think about the game and, and do like a lot of visualization. Um, it was it was a culture where like I did it in, in Europe and I, I brought it here um, and you see the professionals do it. They go and walk the field and stuff. And, and to some like the, it didn't feel like here. Why are we doing this? And then they saw the value in it and would get there early. And it's more just to get out that social. So that way we have that time to warm up and we could start to focus. But yeah, I, I think um, I think a lot of that that piece is is so important. Self-reflection for me is is massive. Um, I spend a lot of time doing it still now. Uh, my phone is filled with with notes and and voice notes with so many different things. I remember looking back on some journals that I wrote from back when I first started coaching um, in England and to now how much has stayed the same and how much has has changed. To combat the inherent major league level hiring biases, Procopio wants to normalize women throughout the major league soccer organizations. She's an ambassador for Changing the Game, an Ontario nonprofit. Changing the game is through Coaches Association of Ontario. It's um, coaches across Ontario in many sports who advocate for females and getting females into roles and coaching roles and uh, managerial roles, uh, refereeing. So uh, as, a, as kind of mentees and, and uh, apprentices, we try to help new coaches who are coming in this on the female side. Um, we kind of talk to them about what they're struggling with um, what they're going through and how we can help. So under me, I had someone not in soccer for the first time in, in rugby. So it was nice hearing her being a rugby um, international player or, or professional player in rugby and the struggles she had in trying to get into the male game and, and being a female coach and her struggles. So I really like loved listening to her story and, and hearing her challenges and how I kind of overcame that, even though we're not part of the same sport, those daily struggles of the coaching industry and how I overcame it and giving her tips. So changing the game is, is amazing. Um, we do like workshops together and there's like assignments to, to help each other. And like um, reflection is huge and so many different skills that you need, but yeah, I've been a part of it since, since day one and I continue to see it grow and um, so many amazing people on the, the panel and that are in charge of it that want, to see more females and their big thing is getting females into top leadership positions. And that's what they always say to us. We want to see you in a top leadership position um, in your sport um, or in the community. And that's something that empowers me and empowers the, the, the female coaches that come into our program. A 2008 study published by the Women's Sports Foundation found that age 14 is the dropout tipping point for girls. By that age, girls have dropped out of a sport at twice the rate of boys. Procopio is also involved in Fast and Female as a volunteer ambassador. Fast and Female seeks to empower young girls to stay in sport beyond the age of 14. It's a nonprofit. We help girls feel empowered, be involved um, across Canada. Um, it's in almost every sport. Um, we also do Paralympic, Paralympic sports as well. Um, any sport possible or any kind of avenue for a player, we help. Um, I have some um, ambassadors that we work with on different sports I didn't even know about or didn't have any knowledge in. Um, I actually talked to an ambassador um, in Quidditch and I didn't know it was yesterday. I didn't even know Quidditch was a sport. And I was so intrigued that they said, the first thing they said to me, and I, this was just yesterday, was 
hey, uh, you might think I'm nerdy, but I play Quidditch and I'm trying to get to the Canadian games. And I, I, I said, I don't think you're nerdy. I go, I don't know anything about Quidditch except for obviously watching Harry Potter. And I didn't even know it was a sport. So I asked them like for 45 minutes about the sport, the rules and everything. And um, it was a moment because they felt so empowered to talk about it because I'm sure they don't obviously it's, it's not a conversation that comes up every day. So I think with like the whole empowering and the statistic is is trying to get people inspired and, and have role models. Um, I look back and, you know, we talked about it, like how much women's soccer has, has from where it was to now, like my role models, like I had female role models. I never had a female coach until college. In 2020, an updated study partnered the Women's Sports Foundation with the Dick Sporting Goods Foundation. 3,041 student athletes between 7 and 17 participated in this update. Though the key findings of that survey were supplementary of the aforementioned 2008 study, an additional find dictated that parental input dramatically impacted a child's susceptibility to burnout and youth athlete confidence. This impact was lessened in boys, but Procopio echoes that she's seen this superimposed on youth girls and the potential detriment it produces. She says the quote, car ride home is crucial for sports parents. Post-game, when the child is either riding high on adrenaline and excitement from a win, or sulking and overanalyzing a loss, the parent's input is not always helpful. Procopio perfected this conversation technique through her work coaching youth boys and receiving feedback from her post-game attentiveness. Let the player speak first. Let the player talk, talk about the experience. And if it's quiet, it's quiet. Give them the 24 hours. And I find myself, I implement a lot of those rules with teams that I coach now is that 24-hour rule. Because in the heat of, mo uh, heat of the moment, sometimes things can be exchanged where if you had 24 hours to sleep it off and kind of think about it and reflect on it, it might be a different conversation because the score is not end to end bucket a bucket like basketball or, or hockey. It's so quick. It's, it's very much a low scoring um, game and those moments that build up and to lose on like a one nil loss is, is tough. So I, I, I don't know, like it, it's, that silence. And I think now with the phone too is, is big, but what I tell my players all the time and like my players see me like speaking in my watch or like writing notes in my phone, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. So that way I can reflect back on that practice or that moment. Um, I used to write everything down, but now I'm looking at my writing saying, I don't even know what that says. So I'm pretty much like now on the technology side of things. And I really use that. So that way I could go back and say, okay, in this moment, this happened and this is something we can address. Or I look back at it 24 hours later. I'm like, oh, this moment doesn't mean anything. It won't help the culture of the team we're trying to create. So I really try to do that with my players when they get in the car, just take that five seconds to write in your notes, your thoughts, um, your feelings and go back. And then once you have a shower or you eat and you're in peace that you can go in like really reflect on the game or speak into like I'm, I'm a crazy person when I drive home I speak into my voice notes um and uh I but I do that so that way I can reflect back after that game and that experience so that's what I try to tell my players is to take that couple seconds um in the car or um in the parking lot to write down your feelings right in that moment and then go back and and revisit it now that she has her own private soccer training business coach Maria Soccer she gets to implement all the life skills she's learned and educate the next generation of aspiring soccer players. 
I think as a, if we're talking female athletes, um, especially is, is the confidence piece. I was someone who was always confident, but sometimes I knew when I wasn't confident, I kind of masked it into this immaturity and, and being funny and, and joking around. Um, but now reflecting on me from my youth days, me through high school and me through college, then into England and now, how much I've kind of changed in the way I speak or the way I present myself or the way I talk about confidence with our athletes. Like I tell my athletes, you have to think you're one of the best in Canada. Like I say, I'm one of the best coaches in, in Canada and that didn't come easy, but I know I am. And that's the confidence in me. Um, speaking, it's not that cocky and there's the, obviously the two difference, but I try to tell my players, be the best in what you can do. And we really try to empower and have that confidence in our players. Even like players come to me when they first join our program or like, Coach Marie, I'm scared to call a college coach. Like, I don't want to pick up the phone and do that. Um, and I was someone at first when they would tell me that I'd be like, well, what do you mean? You just pick it up and you talk to them. But I was confident to do it and I didn't mind doing it. But I know some people are introverts and, and definitely shire so we try to help our athletes out with that confidence piece and picking up the phone call and calling a college coach or writing even writing an email to a college coach um, is something we, we try to help them with or i really like when players come up to me and say hey coach maria why didn't i play a lot what could i do better that doesn't happen often and i want that conversation to happen not your parent calling me or, or telling me you come up to me and you ask me why you're not playing so we try to instill that in our players and it's it's helped we've We've kept a lot of players in the game. We get a lot of players who um, come to us and say, hey, I, I want to quit. I had a bad experience with this team or this coach or this kind of avenue. We try to keep them in sport. And I think it's just the confidence piece for them, especially on the female side. In her private training repertoire is a program called Project 3. Um, so Project 3 stands for three pathways into a female player. Um, so... Canadian, um, American scholarships, and then players going into Europe. So three pathways. Why we also call it that, because I've, I've done the three pathways. Yes, I didn't play in university or college here in Canada, but I grew up playing here. Um, and then I played overseas and I played in, in, in the United States. So I wanted to have these avenues for a player to say, hey, Coach Maria, I don't want to play here in North America. I want to go somewhere else. Okay, we can help you with that or hey I want to stay in Canada we can help you with that so project three is for elite female athletes it's all supplementary so we're not a club or academy players come to us twice a week well before COVID they were coming to us twice a week they train with us and then we help them get tutored we have a tutor on staff we help them um, with all their training we help them prep for their SATs we monitor their grades we get them recruited or we get them filmed um, we have a strength and conditioning coach. We have a nutritionist. So basically they come to us, they're part of this program and they, everything they need to be an elite athlete, we help them out with that. The current 2021 graduate cohort has approximately 60 male and female players, most of whom are planning on playing collegiately and the rest are staying in the sport industry, either overseas or in other capacities. Procopio says that she enjoys watching the older cohort helping to mentor and coach the younger players. It creates an atmosphere for female athletes to stay in the sport while coming back to help the younger generations. Like yesterday, one of our one of our players, Iman, who's going to play professionally in Spain, she ran a session for U10 girls. And I couldn't be there because I was at another session and the parents messaged me and said, who is this? Who is this player? The girls absolutely loved her. Like they want her every week. So she's 17, uh, almost 18. 
working with these girls and I now like some of these girls can look up to her and she like I said Iman brag about yourself tell your story tell tell them you're going to play pro um and stuff and I was just like no coach I'm a little shy I'm like tell them like that they have this opportunity so that's what we try to create it's been amazing um the girls are absolutely gems I don't see them as often because of the different regions you're not allowed to travel in um, but I can only I can't wait till I can see them again and, and be able to to be with them. We have another coach, um, my right hand coach, Denita, who runs those sessions with them. But yeah, they message me all the time. We're like, coach, come to training and all of this. But yeah, it's uh, we're creating a great culture and a great community. And um, I, I couldn't thank them enough. They inspire me every day. With cohorts as young as four years old, Procopio sees herself in those kindergartners. She's awarding these youth players the ability to surround themselves with positive female role models and teammates who look just like them, something she recognizes the beginning of her experience sorely lacked. I always say I'm not a, I'm not a joystick coach. I won't tell players what to do. I want them to make mistakes. I want them to learn and I want them to coach. So some of our first conversations with younger players is coach each other, help each other out. Like um, we do a lot of stuff where they have to like, say a color or tell the player when to go or shoot so that way they have this confidence to to speak and 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 do that so it's it's creating a good little culture they're like little coaches and little like captains and in, in training they'll like help clean balls and like organize cones we give them little jobs and stuff like that but it's to try and create that uh communication create that confidence and um we, we don't direct to players a lot. We just give them repetition and make them and hope that they can speak and, and, and help each other. We'll stop it and do like the tactical who, what, where, when, why, and how, and have them come up with the answers. So that's kind of what we do with our, with our young ones. Um, and th there's definitely some shy players who come in and still don't want to help. But then our, 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 our ones who are like the leaders and, and always willing to work, will go in and like, take them by the hand and, and help them through the session. So it's a really good culture we're creating. Um, our, we have a 2011 team, so U10, um, and we had them since last year. And you could start to see the leaders starting to rise and how much they're all one group, not just individuals from when we first got them. The links to learn more about Project 3 and to join the Coach Maria soccer environment are in the show notes of this episode. Thanks for tuning in to the ninth episode of Closure Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellet. You can follow at Closer Mental on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date on upcoming speakers and full-length interviews. If you have an idea for an episode or would like to tell your story, send us a direct message. Tune in next Wednesday when I bring on John Toth to talk about balancing the pressures of the NFL and making a name for himself as a male model. See you next week.